Hi, this is Rochelle Taya Gramirez. We're recording the second episode of Growing Up Filipinos East Coast, along with my brother. Hello, this is Romeo. Kamusta? Magandang umaga, magandang hapon, magandang gabi. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So, we're going to be talking about our family history and the people that are in the apartment with us. Um, go ahead, Johnji, why don't you start? Okay, I guess we're going to start with my, on my father's side, my grandfather first, and then we'll go into my grandmother. So, again, I was asking last episode, you know, why, besides coming to our lineage, why Massachusetts and what brought us to Massachusetts? And uh, you're more the historian, so you could go deeper into my grandfather's side. And then we can continue on, on my grandmother's side. And, and I guess we can continue and chain it with how we got to Massachusetts. So let's start with Papang. Okay, so let's go to the background of Papang. Papang came from a very wealthy family, as I mentioned before. His parents were Gabriela Tayag and Rafael Tayag. They were from, well, Papang was from Pampanga and Mamang was from Nueva Ecija. And them being from Pampanga, or at least our grandfather was, during the presidential elections and during, if anybody was running, of course, he would be loyal to those that are from Pampanga. See, the name Tayag means Makatayag, and originally from the from Ilocos. And that means, Makatayag means tall and dark, which obviously, if people don't see us, we are not. And if they had seen our grandfather, he is not. They called him in Czech because he looked more Chinese. But his brothers, and especially our great-grandfather, he was tall and dark. Our, our grandfather's um, second brother, the one after him, Lolo Roming, he was actually really tall. He was over six foot. And Lolo Rostico uh, Lolo Oteng, who was the pilot, he was way over six feet, too. Our grandfather was, I would say, how tall do you think Papang was? 5'10"? Yeah, 5'10". I mean, oh. it's, it's actually a pretty good height compared to the typical body type of a Filipino, husky and wide. Yeah, true. And actually, our relatives are husky, too. Husky and wide. What size? Size husky. <laughs> or as they say in the Philippines now, healthy. Healthy, yes. <laughs> healthy, very healthy. Okay, so that's that's good. You gave them like a the geographic location and some history. Now, as far as Papang's dad, um, yes. we were talking about. So, yeah. what was Rafael, his occupation? Um, so, Rafael Tayag. He was, a, uh, as I mentioned, he was the first land surveyor under the Americans. And because of that, he, you know, uh, for his fees, some people couldn't pay him. And they know they had to get the land survey. They would give him land. And some of the land that he acquired, it was, uh, there was, you know, harvest there and 
all sorts of things. Um, so he could collect from that land, from the, the, the fruits of the labors or harvest. And that's how they were able to acquire so much money. So basically, um, uh, goods, goods for labor. Yes. 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 And then um, he was away often, especially he acquired a lot of the land actually in Bicol. So uh, as I mentioned, how many? We, um, we had about 600 hectares there. That's almost like 140 plus acres in in our in our metric system. Yes, and thousands, right? Yeah, yeah, 140 plus thousands of acres. So that's quite a lot back then. Even yes. a lot now. It's actually uh, right now that's a lot of land because land is scarce there. Yeah, so, it that's... is still a lot of land, and there were choice land because some of the land up to now the, the government hasn't been able to acquire, but uh, they had wanted to put an airport nearby in Naga City. And actually, one of our uncles, our dad's brother, the youngest, still, I mean, he went back to the Philippines and he's living there. And he was, you know, I, I would say he's living comfortably from just collecting from oh, the tills, I would say. from That's another story. But yes, that's another let, story. Let, like, let me uh, calculate in my head how many uh, hectares? 600 hectares. So yeah, that would be 1,482.63.64, give or take. Wow. It's not what it used to be. Your math kicked in all that time that Uncle Roy used to um, use his rulers. If we didn't calculate fast enough, worked, stayed in your brain, I'm sure. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. that's about, yeah, 600 hectares is about 1,482. Point six three six four acres. So yeah, that is a lot of land. That's a lot of land. So anyway, after that, when he was a little getting a little bit older, and pressure from our great grandmother to stay home more often, uh, he you know settled in Manila through his connections and because he acquired a lot of money and a lot of influence from having all this land, he was offered. Uh, a big job in Manila to be the head of meat inspection. And as you can imagine, um, for a growing economy in the Philippines, that carried a lot of weight. And because of that, because of, of our great-grandfather, our great-grandmother was afforded all these privileges and was able to get into what they call the, the 400 club, the 400 family, which was um, you know, it was fashioned after the the Astor in New York, where only 400 people can fit into the ballroom. So they took that notion of 400, and it's the 400 family of the Philippines. Wow. At that time, our great-grandparents was part of that. Our great-grandmother was able to travel with the first lady, the Makapagals, and then as you saw, I believe there was that picture of of them being in e Egypt, Mamang. Um, you know, those were one of their trips that they do annually. And then Mamang used to get a new car from the United States every single year. Yeah, because I think that was saying, I think they even invited uh, long ago Rocky uh, Marciano, the boxer. I don't know if he ever went there. But yeah, so 
Yeah, I didn't even realize there was some kind of system like that. But it makes sense because, like you said, I mean, especially with the money, the influence in money and influence uh, usually uh, influence politics. So that, that makes sense now as far as, like you said, Papang, with all that business, obviously he's, he's going to run into a, a lot of business owners who, who, who obviously, like lobbyists, who obviously influence because politics is money is is the uh, the energy that uh, keeps the politics going running. Well, at that time, you have to imagine there was really no paid lobbyists. It was who you know, and most of the politicians, the ones that were up and coming, and then the one who became president was from Papang's uh, uh, province of Bambanga, and so you stuck to your you know, part of your tribe. It's, I guess, what they would call tribalism nowadays. And then, and I remember when I first met our relatives back in the Philippines on the Renato side, they remembered our grandfather because he was one of the few, he was the oldest, of course, and he's one of the few that used to go back to Pampanga, say hello to the relatives there, and, you know, just just go to the festivals. And dad used to tell me that he would go with our dad, with our grandfather, and they would go to Pampanga. And that's how he knew some of the people there, even though our dad can't speak Kampampangan. Um, but Papang could still speak Kampampangan, even though he grew up in Manila. And, yeah, they all feared and revered Bob our great-grandfather because he made it he was like the tayag that made it oh. in in manila and one of the ones um that he was close to was his first cousin um auntie inang and whose son uh uncle roy became a, a designer and he was actually the first filipino in paris to have graduated from this this well-known design school the haute couture design school in Paris, and then worked for uh, Pierre Cardin, I believe, and then had his own kind of fashion house making dresses for the princesses of Saudi Arabia. But anyway, yeah, so that's, you know, just to paint the picture of how much money they had. And so, of course, they would always support those that are coming from Pampanga, and then comes along this young, energetic politician uh, who wanted to rock the boat, Marcus, who just happens to be classmate, as I mentioned, with Papang's, our grandfather's uh, cousin. And they went to school together and helped him with his case against a murder case um, and then became president. Anyway, so it's the, the, the family divided in terms of who's supporting whom. And at that time, when the Marcus rose up, the Macapagals went down. And then, you know, and then Marcus's crony started really taking over the whole government. And it wasn't then doing martial law. Um, then that's when a lot of people just started moving out of the Philippines, especially those that are in the top because they weren't within the favor of the Marcuses. Okay, so let's let's rewind this for for the viewers who don't know about like with the history. So during so during that time, basically Marcos was already the president. 
correct? Yes. So he was the president already. He was going to run again. So, and that's where you said, obviously, we weren't, uh, one part of the family was in support of uh, the person running against Marcus, uh, which was, how do you pronounce his name? I'm so bad with this. Diaz Soto Macapagal. Yes. So, so he we, lost in 1965. So we were supporting him. We were supporting him. And at the same time, also, there was a divide because the other people, part of the family, were supporting Marcos, which which is basically those interests there, obviously, is one one wanted to maintain the power, whoever was supporting Marcos, because all his connection, and the other one, they saw the injustice that, or they felt the political injustice Marcos was imposing on the country and the people. So they wanted to, to obviously, besides, it was a, it was a, it was the guy uh, Magapal was an, an indigenous, and it, as as far as you know, with the Thai eggs, plus they just wanted to support for uh, political reasons. So that's where you said after Marcos won, that's when he decided to to use his full power to get rid of all the competitors who were supporting his his uh who was who was against them during his running. Yes, it was slow. Well, I wouldn't say slow, but um, you know, it was leading up to the martial law. And actually, Makapagal saw this already. And then, you know, people around you know, around the Philippine society, the elites saw this already as his cronies, Marcus's cronies, started to take over bank accounts, started to take over private companies like the Lopez's. They took over the Lopez's. Uh, I believe they had the, a TV station or... Um, Yes, one of the the, t the stations, and then Meralco taking over uh, the water, the electricity. So there was a power grab in the private sector by the government for personal use. And then they saw the writing on the wall, and that's when you see the migration of the elites leaving the Philippines. So, ba and so basically, he was he was enacting what is con considered eminent domain, which is the right of a government or its agent to take away property for public use. He was hiding behind that 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 government action where he can take private property supposedly for government use, correct? Yes, but it was, I mean, it was obvious it wasn't for public use, even though he said it was. And it was going to just different uh, people in his cabinet um, or people in the military. And then that's when the, you know, of course, in the, the students started seeing this and there was a student, a big student movement that was headed by our dad's cousin, Nilo Tayag. So, and he spent 12 years or 13 years in solitary confinement. But yeah, so that's the picture where that, led us or led our grandparents to decide there's no future here. We have to leave. So Nilo is basically Che Guevara or Mandela. Actually, they think of him as like a Che Guevara in some ways in the Philippines before. Uh, unfortunately, you know, his son is now in power. Marcus's son, Bongbong Marcos, and he's trying to erase all of that in the Philippines, all the things that um, his dad has done that, that, and unfortunately, a lot of the people who remember this are getting old, so they don't. So this president, he, the son, 
he's trying to say, hey, that never happened. That's fake news. But the reality is you can't escape that when so many people have left the Philippines and felt the scar of it because of his father's uh, brutal force in the Philippines. And though some might say, well, you know, he kept the Philippines stable. Well, the Philippines was already stable before him. And it was getting economically stable. So how much were, what is it, even the processors are asking about the money. So how much was the total, like, that they could account for was like ten million dollars, ten billion or ten million dollars was they were. Oh, it was it's billions of dollars. Actually, some people say it's trillions. So, it's it, it, there's a lot of money they can't account for. Uh, it could be in Switzerland. It could be you know in Cayman Islands. Who knows where they hit it? There were works of arts. There were houses here and there. Uh, the house, actually, the one in New York, the mansion that is now on Fifth Avenue, that used to belong to the Marcuses, but it's now currently where the Philippine consulate is. And yeah, so, and they took those all for themselves, even though it was part of, of the coffers of the Philippine government and the people. And though, as you hear, and our grandmother said this, well, at least Marcos, you know, kept everything stable. And people don't remember that it was already stable before him. And what he did was he, you know, he corrupted the system. When you put graft and corruption in the system, it's like cancer. It takes a hold and then it's uncontrollable. And though a lot of the corruption right now is uncontrollable, it could stem back to him and his administration. Yeah, you know. Um... And people don't, re- you know, a lot of people don't remember that. That's why. That's why you got to know your history. Power and... corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That's please, let right. me, please let me know who said that. <laughs> oh, I forgot. For you our can... listeners, please let us know. Power corrupts, absolute corrupts, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I thought that was in the Bible. I, I maybe, was maybe it is. Paula, yeah. Politicians always use that in their speeches. But yeah. Okay, next, next episode, I'll mention that. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was, yeah, our grandfather died in 1969 in the midst of that because uh, he had a heart attack from seeing the first man on the moon. And then that's when our great-grandmother is like, okay, this is, you know, not going anywhere. I'm losing all my privileges. Uh, my last two, they need to go to school. I'll bring them to the United States. I'll bring them to the East Coast. And the other thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot is that our, all our names are starts with R. And that goes back to our great-grandfather, how he wanted everybody to have R if they were going to be a Tayag, meaning if you were born a Tayag, you have to have an R. Even so, the girls, when they marry, of course, they change their last name, but their first name is R. That's why you and I are Rochelle and Romeo, and our brother is Ronald. That is the, uh, no, that is the, that is the meaning behind that. Did you know Nilo Tayag was also a Filipino bishop besides being a social activist? and revolutionary? Yeah, I knew when I spoke to him years later when I went to the Philippines to interview him, he told me right afterwards that as soon as he got out from there, he turned to religion. And um, he said that 
because I asked him, what did you do all that time to keep sane? He said, I talked to the mices in the cell. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't even know like a Marxist. He's, he's, he actually established the 1964 Communist Party of the Philippines. Did you know that? Yes, he was the one who established it. And he was the one, uh, because at that time, you have to remember also in the greater world history, that was the Cold War. And you either were for communists or democracy. And Marcus played into that. And of course, because at that time, nobody was listening to what was going on. The ones who were giving uh, a voice was the communists were the ones who were helping the students. And actually, um, other one of other dad's cousin who was close to Nilo, Dan Tayag, he had a saying. He said, in your 20s, you're a communist. In your 30s, you're a socialist. And in your 40s, if you're still a communist, then you've failed because you should have been a capitalist. Yes, capitalist. Yes, you have grown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, as you get older, you realize it's about the money in some sense because ideologies die with realistic needs, people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, and... You know, that's how we got into the United States. And that's why hard work has always been the motto of our grandparents and our parents. As well, we that's, that, that, that's pretty good. Because when you told me, uh, you know, I think we needed to revisit why we were, you know, when you said, well, the Tigers came from a rich, uh, economically a rich background. But sometimes people, you know, especially in the Philippines, they look at, they cut some people either look at that a while, either they did it through corruption or did it through hard work, you know? So it was good to revisit that, you know, Papang with his uh, skill set of land surveying got land through his services and he took that, he took that land and converted it into to more opportunities with money, but more so just opportunities, you know? And then got his, that turned into more money and that more, mo and more money turned Influence. more. Yeah. So that, that's good. Yeah, no, they, Papang was definitely a hard worker. And one of the characteristics people always described, of course, we were too young to ever know him or we weren't even alive when he passed away. But they said the characteristic of all Tayags, especially when I went to visit Pampanga, was they're always smiling and they're calm. And sometimes we forget that because of our you know, passionate nature side in our family, especially growing up with our grandfather, Papang. Um, even though in the outside, Papang looked always smiling and calm, there were many times when we heard that eruption and that passion. Uh, and, you know, the calm one was our grandmother, M Mamang. But then we come to find out that that side actually came from, from, our great-grandmother's side, Mamang, who had a very passionate and eruptive personality. So much so, uh, there was that incident that even our dad didn't find out until I told him a few weeks ago about the reason they ended up in UST elementary instead of continuing to study with I think it's Don Bosco or one of the other boys' school around the Pita. Do you want to tell that story? Because Mama told you that story. Yeah, Mama told me a story that 
my mom got so mad like she want it's either her way or no way and then she actually went to the school with a, a shotgun along with a driver and took the kids out or argued yeah, I don't know what they were arguing about. Yeah, so the headmaster was like, okay, no Taya boys are ever allowed here. So that's why they transferred over to UST. And I was asking dad about that. I said, do you know? I said, dad, were you always in UST? He goes, no, we were in San, San Beta. Oh, I think it was San Beta. And I said, so why did you transfer? Because I don't know. One day they told us we're going to UST. So all the boys went over there. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, and I told him the story what Mamung said to me about Mamung. And then that wasn't the first time Mamung, you know, took her shotgun to try to get her away. I mean, she tried to force it with getting back one of her daughters, too. That's another story. You know that story, right? Yeah. Where one of her daughters married somebody she didn't like. And yeah. then she was That's trying to get the judge to overturn the the marriage yeah yeah that um, makes sense because I, I guess if you have that much influence and that much money and power it's it's you know even back then too like you you're very you're very picky about who your your daughter's gonna be with i guess it's like almost like royalty you have to get married into royalty yeah actually um our grandmother told us that the girls, you know, that's Lola Bing, Lola Inne, and Lo, Auntie Lola Pate. They were always being invited to all these balls and parties, especially Malacanang, which is the presidential palace. But our great grandmother was just very, very protective of them and hardly let them go out, even to these balls. So then they became sheltered and... Um, so then they made choices based on the guys around them. And of course, the guys around them in their neighborhoods or those that they see every day wasn't good enough for Mamang. And that's another riffle. So, so Mamang was basically for all you Game of Thrones fans, Cersei, her daughters will not go with any lowborns. Yeah, well, that that's that's that was Mamang. That's right. She had a thing in her mind, but unfortunately, you know, people need to have company. And one of them, uh, uh, Auntie Lola Ine, she fell in love with with somebody from her their province who was over in Manila studying, and. Um, I mean, this was a distant relative of Mamang. It's not like first cousin or second cousin. It's a distant relative. And she, he happened to be Mamang's driver too. And of course, he's the one that drove the girls back and forth to school at Holy Spirit. And then feelings started happening between um, him and Lola Ine. And then they, you know, they eloped and then Mamang found out, oh my gosh, it was such a big mess. And then Lola turns into Lola Inet being locked up in her room for months at a time until she signs the paper and then she escaped. She managed to escape somehow. Oh my gosh, it was just, it was just a big drama thing. She escaped and then Mamang found out where she was had her boys, except for our grandfather. I guess our grandfather wasn't that way. So she had Lolo Roming, Lolo Oteng, and Lolo Taba is what he was called, the fourth, uh, the fourth 
child go over there, beat him up uh, to get Auntie Inib back. They did. Um, but then I guess Lolo, uh, I forgot his name, but I have to ask his, our ma, our dad, he called the police and said, they have my wife. And the police couldn't do anything. They went to Mamang and Mamang refused to give up Auntie Inet and said, no, 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 she's, she's married to this man. So you have to give her up. And then the chief of police had to come and talk to Mamang and say, according to the law, she's over 18 now and she's the wife of this man. You have to let her go. And so she refused. No, I will let her go but we have to go to court to get it annulled. And they went to court and then the judge asked Lola Ine a question like, do you love this man? Do you wanna be with him? And she said, yes, and ran to his arms and there was nothing Mamang and the boys can do. Papang tried to negotiate, couldn't, they had to let her go. And as soon as Mamang came home, she burned all of Lola Ine's like beautiful dresses, pictures, everything, everything. Well, I, I could see it from a monk's point of view because during that time, I still, I mean, I guess for anybody, she's protecting the assets, you know. She was like, these people want to marry her. Now Now they're married. Now he's got rights to my, to my daughter's assets. So, I mean, I guess she had that option to just cut her off from the will. But that's that's what, that was another thing that my mom was probably... She probably had somebody in line for her. And the fact that if she goes with just another, that's another person that will divide the asset. I so. guess, I mean, Mamang was very controlled. She knew who she wanted to have her, you know, be with. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't him. I mean, he was okay. I mean, he was, she was like a distant relatives of hers. Uh, he He's an optimist, you know, ophthalmologist, optima, optometrist. But um, anyway... Yeah, optometrist. Person who checks up. Yes. Uh, and um, then they, you know, eventually, uh, and she was a, she was actually a well-known pianist at that time. She was developing. She was a great pianist. And of course, she had to give that up. Moved to the province where he was, I think Nueva Ecija, and start over and then had a very simple life. That's Auntie Bing's mom. Yeah, but... Yeah. Uh, what can you do? You know? Yes. So that's when you try to control too much. That's what happens. Well, not only that, if you don't give them like life, life experiences, you, know, you can teach them all the books and arts all you want. But if they don't have life experiences, that's where the wisdom comes in. Life experiences. So yeah. The difference between uh, wisdom and uh, book smarts, you know. And then Aunt, uh, Lola Bing, she almost had the same thing, except. She fell in love with Lolo Mando, who was, you know, his family is known for to be, they're known for their music, but it still wasn't good enough for Mamang. And she threatened to, like, uh, jump in the wind, over the window if she didn't get to marry him. So it was just, so that's why she was very protective of the last two. Yeah. She said, I'm taking them to America. My husband has passed away. I don't want to repeat what happened to, to the, you know, to my other children where I had no control of. But with the boys, I heard she controlled them like, uh, you know, she can really, because everybody always paid homage to her. And even I remember 
our grandfather, whatever his mom wanted or needed, he was there, which is a great thing. Um, but he would drop everything. And that's, and they ended up in New York because of Auntie Pate, because she was taking her master's at that time now in um, NYU. And then she was getting old. She was getting into her 70s. And I think we did meet her. She was already in her late 80s. And yeah, so that's the story of Papang. And Papang, forgot to mention, is an was an architect. Uh, he actually, because of his father's background, but also because of his talents, he had a lot of churches. I remember even our grandfather from our mom's side said that he is very talented and he has a lot of churches in the provinces that he had designed. And he designed buildings. He was the head architect for San Miguel Corporation. And that's how San Miguel Village came about in Makati. And that's how we got to have a place in Makati. Was Makati was becoming this new um, place where, you know, it, it was nicely planned. And that used to be an airport. Makati said the roads were beautiful. And that was from the Ayala's. And they had a subdivision for the executives of San Miguel. So we that's probably, why the village is called San Miguel Village. We can probably talk about San Miguel Village in the next one. And you can delve into that history too. Yes. So, yeah. So that's Papang. And imagine him and Mamang coming into having that background, coming into the United States in their late late 50s, having to start over again. And mm -hmm. Papang, you know, he... He, I remember him as calm and quiet and always smiling. But when he gets going and you cross the line with him, you better watch out and hide. And of course, you never got the end of that because you were his favorite. So he hardly yelled at you. I don't think he ever yelled at you. And our poor cousins, oh my goodness. That one we'll have to talk about when we get to Belrica. Okay, next session. Next session. So okay. that's Papang. So okay, thank you. Else? Oh no, that was good. Okay, thank you, viewers. We must end this session. Thank you, or listeners. One of these days, we'll do a video viewers with all the the maps and pictures. Yes. So, yes. So that was a good history. So that's Papang's history, and so that's Rafael Tayag Jr. So I guess he's the second one, and and that's why we have all ours from our great-grandfather who started the tradition. Have a good night. Okay, magandang gabi po. Salamat, salamat.